Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. The announcement that Always Sunny is... Even just when they go one more season, I'm always excited just to know that the, you know, the long running show is going to keep going, but they kind of dropped a bomb on us a couple weeks ago and said that not only was their record breaking 15th season confirmed, but they were actually already signed on with FX for seasons 15, 16, 17, and 18. That's crazy. You know, that news was very similar to some news we got earlier this year in July, like that the sensation, the feeling Ooh, like was that. very similar to, you know, Pat Mahomes is getting an extension. You're like, all right, sweet. We knew that was coming. And then, by the way, it's 10 years, you know, like, and it's like, boom, you want something awesome? Well, here's 10 more years of it. Okay. You want something cool? Here's four more years of that. You know, it just was, uh, it was a great feeling. It's, uh, it's exciting to see where they're going to go with it. You know, obviously there's so many, uh, so many twists and turns. The characters have really uh, grown a lot over the years, which is funny to say about, you know, a, a raunchy comedy show, but it's, it's the truth. And yep. I, I can't wait to grow with the Sunny gang for four more years. Yeah. It's amazing. They, uh, the way they talk about it is very similar. I love the comparison you drew to the Mahomes contract. I wasn't even honestly thinking about it, but it's perfect because the way that they talk about how long they want to do Sonny for is the same way that Mahomes talks about how long he wants to be a chief. Even though he signed the 10 year deal, he said, I'm, I want to retire in Kansas city and all that stuff. And, and Glenn Howerton who plays Dennis said recently, I don't really see us stopping the show. I don't see us not wanting to make the show anymore, which is very exciting. It's obviously you and I, it's our favorite television show. It's what the podcast is named after. We worship Always Sunny. And to know that it's going to be in our lives, you know, for the foreseeable future, is, it's just super exciting. I just, they're, they're the best. It just is going to continue to give us material, too, to riff on and reference. And, you know, the thing about reference humor is, you know, um, you, you got to have source material to be able to reference. And so the more reference material we have, the better. I, I just feel like the the more bits, I, I just can't wait, you know, the, the things we can drop into our lexicon, the recurring jokes, you know, there's going to be a callback in there to like season two. It's going to be great. We're going to think it's hilarious. Other hardcore Sunny fans, they're going to think it's hilarious. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. 
Find them on Twitter at SI Chiefs. And of course, our sponsor, Manscaped. I'm Austin. Here with me, as always, is my man, Taylor Witt, who you can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, what's going on? Hey, Austin. Not much. I'm excited for Christmas, and uh, it's a great short week, and the Chiefs are rolling. We are recording this on Christmas Eve, Eve, December 23rd. Happy birthday, by the way, to our our overseer, Joshua Briscoe. I heard uh, big man's got a birthday today. He's probably like 25, so, you know, young pup, but congratulations to him. Happy birthday, Josh. We got a great show, as always. We're going to recap Chief Saints, the Chiefs, with their 13th victory in 14 games this season, which is, whew, whew, it's, it's a thing. 13-1, baby. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFC landscape. Was this game a Super Bowl preview, question mark? And uh, then we got a couple of mailbag questions. Um, and by the way, if you guys want to hit us up with some more mailbag questions, we're not going to have a meaningful game to preview for like a couple of weeks. Like probably, probably not until next year, Taylor. You wanna, have <laughs> nice. you heard that joke? People have been dropping that joke on you yet? Super I've never heard year? that before in my whole life. <laughs> we're not going to have a meaningful game to preview until next year, 2021. So if you guys have mailbag questions, hop into our Discord. You can get an invite from Taylor if you slide into his DMs. You can also always add us on Twitter or DM us on Twitter. Uh, Discord's usually the best place to get us mailbag questions that get answered, um, but we do have one from the DMs today, as well as one from Twitter from our longtime listener, Andrew Whiteside. And we're going to close this out with, uh, speaking of birds, a Chiefs-Falcons preview. I I say preview – it is two days before Christmas. We're looking forward to our long weekend here. Uh, we're probably going to hit this game pretty light, but we are going to preview it for you as always. Let's start it off though, Taylor, with our recap as usual. Chiefs at Saints. Yeah, the Chiefs were, uh, they went down south for their last road game of the year. And, you know, by all accounts, this is probably the hardest game on paper on the Chiefs schedule. Um, certainly there could have been an argument for Baltimore early in the year, but that didn't quite turn out to be the case. But the Saints, number one team in DVOA and they've got a great defense. They've got a great offense. They've got, you know, they've got all the pieces. They're, they're a hell of a football team and they came into this game 10 and three and the chiefs 12 and one. And it's, it's nice to see kind of how the chiefs stack up against those Super Bowl caliber teams. This was another example of that. Yeah, it was. And we're going to talk about the NFC Super Bowl caliber teams because let's face it, we're getting into that part of the schedule, but this certainly was one of them possible Super Bowl preview. When we previewed the season, I, we're going to have to do a recap show where we go over our predictions and we had Sam Hayes, our, our buddy over at Airhead report on as well. Um, I think I picked the chiefs to go 14 and two, if memory serves. And this was one of the two games I know for sure I had as a loss in the Chiefs schedule, something, you know, looking forward from the beginning of the season, Going to New Orleans, I mean, even in a pandemic year where the Superdome isn't necessarily hopping, this is a really complete team. They've been the class of the NFC. Uh, they've been a, a, a number one or a number two seed each of the last three years, isn't it? And obviously, they just have, have looked great on both sides of the ball. They were undefeated with their backup quarterback until Taysom Hill dropped a game against the Philadelphia Eagles, of all people. And so Drew Brees is back in the lineup. And you have to figure, with only one bye this year, did you hear that there was only one by Taylor? Did, huh, did you know that? Interesting. I wonder if that'll play into the Chiefs schedule at all. With only one by this year, obviously New Orleans trying to keep pace with the Green Bay Packers. And so this week they turned to Drew Brees, who recently fractured about all the ribs in his <laughs> entire body. And I don't want to say that the Saints were necessarily desperate for a win here, but there was a lot of talk leading up to this game, not only with Brees coming back into the lineup replacing Taysom Hill, but they specifically came out in the media and they said this was going to be a bat game. So that obviously conjures up some ominous associations given uh, this organization's 
history with uh, Greg Williams and Bounty Gate. But uh, I guess the idea was that they were challenging players to bring the wood. And uh, the whole the whole point, I guess, if you're going to be charitable to the Saints and assume that this wasn't Bounty Gate 2.0, they were at least trying to bring the intensity for this game. This was an important game for them. Even being an interconference game, uh, this was something, this certainly was a game that they wanted to win. Absolutely. And it's funny that, you know, our perspective as Chiefs fans is that, you know, we look at all the opponents that are coming in and we just think of the Chiefs as the Chiefs. They're our team. And But for these other teams, they've got the, you know, the high-flying defending champ, 13-1, and well, 12-1 at the time, um, you know, best quarterback in football. They've got the show. They've got the, the greatest show in town coming to their place. And it's just, you know, the Chiefs get every team's best shot, or they should. And it, this is another one of those cases where, sure, the the Saints might have slept walk through the Philly game a little bit. But then, you know, it's wake-up time. Chiefs are coming to town, got to put on our, our A game. And, uh, yeah, it's just – you can just tell the intensity of every Chiefs game. They just get it from everybody. The intensity in this game was a little bit hard to gauge on the offensive side of the ball early on. The Chiefs did score in the first quarter in this game. Tyreek Hill uh, ran about 100 yards until he caught – a nice little toss, five-yard pass into the end zone. But the real story, I think, of the early part of this game was the Chiefs' defense. And the New Orleans offense certainly did not bring the intensity. I don't know if you can bring the wood as an offensive player, uh, but whatever they were bringing, it was uh, it was three and outs. That's what they were bringing to the table. Yeah, and it was the worst start to Drew Brees, to a game in Drew Brees' career, and by far. I mean, he just to step through it a little bit, his very first pass was a pass deep left that he intended for Taysom Hill, of all people, for his very first attempt. And basically, Dan Sorensen and mm, don't remember who it was in the secondary, maybe Charveris or somebody, Sorensen collided with him and, and could have picked it off and didn't. It was a bad pass. And then he goes incomplete again. And so they punt on their first one. Second possession comes up and he goes incomplete on a little short right dump off that he hits 99% of the time, but they missed on that one. And then another short right dump off is intercepted to uh, by Legereus Sneed, who we will get into because he had an absolutely outstanding game. Uh, but so Breeze starts this game 0 of 6 with an interception. And for a guy that's 40 plus years old and coming off of 11 broken ribs, I mean, the, the talk already was, dang, should New Orleans have rushed him back? He does not look himself. Yeah, New Orleans' first four drives, they had three plays on each drive, three three and outs, and then one that ended with the third play was an interception. So punt, interception, punt, punt is how New Orleans opened this game, which, you know, I, I don't know about you, Taylor. Obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about the defense the last couple of weeks in a negative way because – I mean, listen, this team is about the offense. It's about the quarterback. It's about Andy Reid, the play caller, the genius, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Those guys are the stars of the show. And the defense, I think sometimes our expectations are a little bit unrealistic. We'll get into that a little bit more on the show. But um, this was an amazing start by the Chiefs defense, especially against a team that should have given the Chiefs fits. Now, I get Drew Brees isn't 100%, right? But they have Alvin Kamara and they frankly have an offense that is designed to do the very thing that the chiefs defense really struggles against, which is defending those short little routes out of the backfield slants and dump offs and things like that. And then just getting guys in a position to make guys miss in the open field. And the chiefs defense is very susceptible to being made miss. And so this start 
was phenomenal. And you kind of alluded to Legereus Sneed. He was a guy that really brought it. I mean, I feel like as the defenses maybe started to turn it around, and I do think they are kind of starting around in the form, he's a guy that, you know, I mean, just since he's come back from injury uh, in the past couple of weeks, I think it's given the defense a huge boost. I mean, he's been playing inside a lot. He's getting the, his hands on the ball a couple times every game, and he almost had a pick last week. Mm-hmm. He did have a pick this week. He just has been – he's been phenomenal. He has. He's absolutely a home run draft pick. Um, one of the highlights of Brett Veach's young GM career for sure. And, you know, he had three total passes defended and the interception and a sack. He came in on a really, really nice play. Um, and is just he just looks like the complete package in the secondary. And he looks like he's going to be a piece for the Chiefs for a long time. He's super, super, super exciting. So then, you know, if we kind of – we're going to then pair up this uh, – game with with the Chiefs offense um, they weren't really doing a ton they did have the drive that ended with the short touchdown pass to, to Hill as you were talking about on and a short drive off on, the interception on a short drive off the luxurious need interception which is you know that's we keep talking about if this defense can create turnovers like these are game over like it's just you can't give this offense a short field and you know they did that and Mahomes took advantage of it but other than that, um, they had some punts in the first quarter also. It was 7 to nothing at the end of the quarter, which anytime the Chiefs only put up 7 in a quarter, I know that's a 28-point pace, but it still feels slow. And then um, the uh, Chiefs came out to start the second quarter. They scored on the first play of the second quarter to make it 13 to, 14 to nothing. And it was another really nice drive where Mahomes, he was getting pressure at, all day. Every he was dancing around. They were running tons of sprint outs. They were running a lot of stuff that, and obviously the reason that he was getting a ton of pressure was the offensive line. The offensive line was so banged up and there was, you know, Eric Fisher played, but just did not look himself and got manhandled a lot. And obviously with between Mitch Schwartz and Mike Remmers and, and even if you want to go back to guys like LDT and Clenchley assembly, like the offensive line is banged up. They are down to their second and third stringers all over the place, but you know, Mahomes just makes it work. He just pressure just doesn't mean much to him. And one of the best off uh, defensive lines in the game, they they got a lot of pressure on him, but it just it, it never seemed to be enough. Yeah, after punting on the first two drives, this third drive, uh, well, the third drive was the short touchdown, but this fourth drive, which was an eighty-yard drive for a touchdown, really showcased what makes Pat Mahomes the MVP, in my opinion. I mean, like you're talking about, obviously the offensive line was banged up. We talked about how bad of a matchup this was on the deep, the chiefs defensive side of the ball against the new Orleans passing game, all this short stuff and all the yeah. yak that they roll out. It's a horrible matchup for the chiefs on the offensive side of the ball, just because new Orleans does have the number one defense in the league by DVOA does have an incredibly fearsome pass rush with just the, the front four guys. I mean, they don't have to blitz. And then with the chiefs rolling out a patchwork offensive line, but this is, this is Patrick Mahomes, this drive, you know, put it in his Hall of Fame reel, which is going to be, you know, a week long. Yeah. Uh, just the highlight reel is going to be a week long. He starts this drive off with a 14-yard pass to Le'Veon Bell. Shout out to Le'Veon, obviously, mm-hmm. with the unfortunate news with Clyde. We're going to be seeing a lot more of him. But the second play of the drive, he takes an eight-yard sack. So that puts the Chiefs in second and 18. He picks up 10 to Sammy, which puts it at third and eight. Now, third and eight is not a gimme against a good pass rush. And, you know, for a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of offenses in the league, that's, I mean, third and long, that's a situation where you're not expected 
to convert that for a first down. Yep. He picks up 23 yards to Sammy. And then later in this drive, the Chiefs run a goofy play to McCall Hardman, which ends up getting just blown up by Cameron Jordan for a five-yard loss. Chiefs are on the New Orleans 23, but they have second and 15. And then his second down pass to Clyde is incomplete. That puts Chiefs third and 15 at the New Orleans 23. Well, Pat, third and 15, he's money. I mean, he's <laughs> he's literally – carrots. He's better than like every other team in the league combined on third and 15 plus. We've talked about it before. And again, he came through a 19-yard gain to Tyree Kill, which Absolute set up dime. a short run to Clyde and then a neat little just essentially a touch pass, like a, a tight end screen to Travis Kelsey for a one-yard touchdown. And that was uh, that was nice to pad that touchdown total, um, help out his MVP candidate. Did you hear what sure. that play was called? I did. It was called Catching Kelsey, which obviously is a, a reference to the Travis Kelsey reality show. I wonder if Andy actually watched that show. I, I did not personally see it. I've seen clips of it um, yeah. that have made the rounds, but I, I never actually watched it. I've seen clips of him talking to Mark Schlereth's daughter. That's for sure. Yeah, yes, that's the one that I was referencing as well. Yep. I hate them. He's he's the best. Uh, he Andy, the best. Andy with a great sense of humor on that play. So that put the Chiefs up. They were up 14 to nothing. And you know, obviously, especially after some of these games the Chiefs have had recently where they haven't necessarily jumped out to a great start. Obviously, they did that against Tampa. They started really slow against Miami. Mm-hmm. It was great to see a fast start in this game. And then we get into the second quarter. Chiefs score on this first play of the second quarter. And then the Chiefs end up – I don't know. It just It's hard to describe. Like, I don't believe in momentum. But it started to swing back the other way a little bit. New Orleans on their fifth drive of the game finally put together a 66-yard touchdown drive, sprinkling in Taysom Hill. He gets into the end zone to make it 14-7. to And then the Chiefs come up with – we've – we've been speaking so highly of special teams lately and right before the half, you know, it wasn't a end of half Chiefs or driving situation, which we've maligned often on the show this year, it feels like, mm-hmm. but DeMarcus Robinson drops back to feel the punts and it, he just, it goes through his hands what and it goes doing? into the end zone. And very fortunately for the chiefs, the saints bat it out of the back of the end zone. And it's only two points instead of seven points. And if I may correct you for a second, it didn't really, the punt didn't go through his hands. He fielded the punt and he fielded the punt. The reason it was Demarcus Robinson is because McCole Hardman got lit up on the last chiefs offensive possession. And absolutely, in my opinion, looked like a, Ah, well, I, I said absolutely, but it was pretty close to a targeting call on third and 12 that could have yes, given, right. given the Chiefs with a minute 30. They could have marched down the field and gone up 21-7. Instead, they give the ball back to the Saints, and then when the Saints punt, Robinson fields it, and then he runs literally directly back, back into the side. Like he just – I don't know if he thought he was going to try and score a touchdown there, but there was 20 seconds left. Like you don't need to – run the punt back. You just either field it or even better, get the hell out of the way. But they punched it out. It rolls into the end zone. They had an easy jump on touchdown. And fortunately, uh, they, like you said, knocked it out of the back of the end zone. And so now the Chiefs were looking at a 14-9 to halftime lead where Drew Brees started the game 0-6 with an interception. And they really, other than the 51-yarder to Emmanuel Sanders down the sideline, which led to their only touchdown, 
they weren't doing anything on offense against this Chiefs defense. It was really, in my opinion, for having a five-point lead on the road against a team like the Saints, I felt very upset at that first half. Well, you had every right to be because the Chiefs defense forced five punts and got an interception in the first half, mm-hmm. and it was 14-9, to nine, Yeah, which – that's not what you want. That's not what you want at all. I mean, you're winning the turnover battle. You've forced five punts, and you're only up by five points. And it, they were fortunate that it was a five-point lead and not as high game, obviously, because if the Saints get recover that football in the end zone, it's a touchdown. Yep. It, it was it was tough. It was it was gross. And you know, part of that was the offense obviously put together the two touchdown drives, one of them a short drive, but they were sputtering because, I mean, I, I don't know, I you're not going to see the box score look incredible for Patrick Mahomes. A lot of passes. I think this was the lowest yards per attempt of his entire career. It was, but he was running for his life. I mean, he was getting pressured on pretty much every play. He got hit 11 times in this game. I saw a stat over the weekend. You know how many times Aaron Rodgers has been hit all year? 12. I believe it's 20. So Patrick Mahomes in this game got hit more than half as many times as Aaron Rodgers has been hit the entire season. His I, I mean, it's, line's incredible. It is. And it's, it's just, it's no surprise that the offense was sputtering a little bit uh, coming towards the end of the first half, because they just like, y- you got to be able to protect your quarterback to be able to move the ball. And this, I'm going to make kind of a weird comparison here because this game We've seen these games occasionally from the Chiefs, and it's obviously it's not fun to see the offensive line struggle. If you could give me a game where the offense, uh, the line gives Patrick Mahomes five seconds to throw on every play, I, I'd take it. It would be beautiful. We'd, we'd literally, we'd score 100 points, right? Mm-hmm. But these games like this, where the offensive line gets worked and Pat is under pressure every play, that's when we see some of the magic right? Like it's fun to see one or two plays a game where he gets pressured and he has to roll out and make a crazy play like he did in week two, you know, at LA or, or whatever it is, you know, going back to Monday night football against the Broncos, the lefty pass, those kinds of plays. But this was almost like his first game against the Baltimore Ravens where their pass rush was getting home. They were working over the offensive line and that game gave us some of the most memorable highlights. Two of them, for of, sure. Certainly of the first season of his career, mm-hmm. the no-look pass and fourth and nine. Mm-hmm. And this game was was very similar. I mean, you didn't get the consistent moving of the ball, which obviously is what you like to see. But the Chiefs still score 32 points in this game because Patrick Mahomes is a wizard, and he just kept making plays. Yeah, he he's incredible. Um, they... The, the way the Saints play defense when they know that they have pressure with the front four is they drop the two safeties back and they, they play them deep and they play them to pass every single down. They, they say, if you're going to run the ball, our safeties are still going to be back there and we're just going to get you with everybody else. And because of that, it's really hard to find deep holes, even though Mahomes tried it over and over. He was 0-6 on passes of 20 yards or more this game. And those are the types of that's the type of defensive coverage where most of the time teams aren't going to be able to afford to drop guys back every play. And most of the time the chiefs are going to take advantage of that and hit you over the top. And they just, even though they couldn't hit him over the top, he still, it didn't matter what the down and distance was. He still just willed the, the team forward, especially when they needed it. Um, specifically after the saints come out, 
and to start the second half, and they drive right down the field, right down the Chiefs' throat, punch it in, Latavius Murray. Oh, this was on second and 14. The Chiefs got a great pass rush off, and Breeze was under pressure, and he just kind of floated one over to Murray, who had been in the pass block and leaked out, caught the ball, ran down the left sideline, scored a touchdown, and now, due to the safety, the Saints took a 15-14 lead. They tried to go for two, didn't get it, but they had the lead. And so it was sickening to, to let a team that good come back into the game when you felt like the Chiefs should have it. But then, as, as they always seem to do, the moment they get down, then the Chiefs just march right down the field, bing, bang, boom. Clyde looked great, had a really, really nice 16-yard run there. And then um, Mahomes to Kelsey for 13, Mahomes to Sammy for 20, and the one there to 20 or to Sammy was where on third and five, Mahomes dropped back and was drifting to his side and just kind of did a little like okie doke, like a step up in the pocket. Yep. The Saints rusher just flew right by him. And he just, it was a very classic Mahomes play like you're talking about. Hit Sammy on a crucial third down, marched down the field, and then that, that gave us the play of the game and one of the best plays of Mahomes. Uh, really career where he's on second and goal from the five he floats left kind of more of a sprint left and no one's open hard to sprint into a float because he's sprinting and then he kind of just the the pass floats yeah yeah that's fair yeah uh and then hardman streaking across the back of the end zone i don't know how mahomes got this ball to him i really don't i mean it was a tiny window tiny 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 window and hardman catches it has makes a great play on it drags his feet Chiefs take the lead and you just kind of feel like, all right, when, when push comes to shove, they've still got it. Yeah. I mean, this play was, what can you say about it? Like if you showed this play to somebody that had never watched football before, they would, they would just, I mean, in people that have watched football before for that matter, (laughs) like how, how do you do that? Like he first, he has to evade the rush and then he's sprinting out to the left. And then he just has such his spatial awareness is so unbelievable to be able to like, okay, now I'm going to speed up. Now I'm going to slow down. I forget who exactly said it, but somebody tweeted during the game. I think it actually might've been Mitch Schwartz. Who's been tweeting. Uh, He said, Pat's 40 time is 0.001 faster than whatever guy is chasing him (laughs) in that moment. And it's, it's true. Like he just seems to have not straight line speed, but just the way that he, manipulates defenders with his body with his eyes with his arm like everything he does is so perfect and it gets you these plays that are should be impossible for a human being to make and certainly Uh are impossible for any other human being to make where you know he's speeding the pass rusher up he's slowing the pass rusher down you know he throws a ball that has to get you know when he releases the ball Hardman is probably still six yards, six or seven yards from the sideline. Yeah. I, I mean, he's in the middle of the end zone. Yeah. And when Mahomes throws the ball, you know, he throws it just to the corner there. I mean, everybody uh, on the call, I mean, I mean, Jim said, you know, this is, he's throwing the ball away. Right. And because of the camera angle on the broadcast, like it wasn't immediately clear that Hardman had gotten to the ball. Right. But sure enough, he got there and he had a couple feet to spare. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, he, he got both feet in bounds pretty easily. Pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a quick, it was a quick touchdown confirmation for sure. And you know, he's drifting to his left. He's a right-handed quarterback. Like it's, it's just the, you're never, ever going to see that. Like, it's just so ridiculous. And yeah, but the announcers you're taught 
or you by your eyes that when a quarterback is drifting to his offside and throws the ball like that, it's because he's throwing it away. And the fact that that ball found somebody, he's just he's just special. And every single week we watch him play, we're reminded of it every time. You know, the thing too is one last thought on this play is I, we we see a lot of incredible touchdowns in the corner of the end zone like that. Like I remember. Uh, last year, Aaron Rodgers had one against the Chiefs yes. where he put it in like the last square foot of the end zone at the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. And obviously our initial reaction always is to credit like, oh, what an incredible throw. But like there's a lot of luck involved with a play like that too. Mm-hmm. When you're putting it into such a small window, you know, the receiver still has to make an incredible play to catch a ball in that tiny amount of space. Uh, and so while it's amazing that he put the ball there, you know, like – was that exactly where he intended to put it? You know, like it, there's always a little bit of luck there. Carson Wentz had a very similar play, I think, two years ago, maybe against Washington, where, you know, it ended up being a highlight reel play. But, like, eh, how <laughs> repeatable is that, really? And yeah. in, in Carson Wentz's case, the not. answer is not <laughs> at all. But this play, it, it made total sense. Like I said, I mean, like he had space. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a fluke. It just was a great play it was incredible anticipation by him and obviously an incredible job to avoid the pass rush and get the ball off in the first place it just there's no reason to think that that's not going to continue to happen I remember when he first came into the league and started making some of these highlight reel plays you know like that play he had in his first home game against the 49ers people are saying like you know like how how often is he going to be able to do that all the time, it turns out. All, all the time, it turns out, which is what we were telling people. But it's completely sustainable. Like, highlight reel plays are, by their nature, improbable. But his are probable. They just continue to happen. You remember the, the call on that one? Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just that that's him. He's are you kidding me? It's just yeah. he's Michael Jordan. And, yeah. and the more we watch him play – the more it's apparent that he is so much better at this game than everyone else and anyone else who's ever been, not just currently. I mean, he is just, he just plays at a different level and we are so lucky. And I know that we try and, um, you know, we, we talk about him all the time on this show and we talk about him very glowingly, but we just have to, I, I just have to make sure that everyone understands what they're seeing here. Like, this is not just we have the best quarterback currently or we have a great quarterback. Literally, he's the GOAT, and it's just – it gives me chills. He's crazy. So after this incredible highlight reel touchdown, the Chiefs force another three and out from New Orleans. They get the ball into New Orleans territory, and on third and nine, again to McCole Hardman, Mahomes makes – an unbelievable throw <laughs> right into McCole Hardman's hands, yeah. right? Like yeah. this was the, this was the McCole Hardman, you know, blunder of the game. He usually has one great highlight play and one, what are you doing? You moron play. I, I mean, you got to give credit to Marcus Williams who popped the ball out. He had great coverage, but man, considering the distance that this pass traveled and where it was placed. I mean, he literally could not have handed it to him in a better location, and he just couldn't hang on to the ball. So Chiefs punt. The Chiefs get another three and out. So, I mean, we're talking about New Orleans has had, at this point, I think eight drives in the game. Kansas City's forced six punts, and they've gotten an interception. I mean, it just is they're playing out of their gourds. Yeah. And then the Chiefs get the ball back. 
at the end of the third quarter with a 21 to 15 lead and they take the ball 59 yards for another touchdown to go up 29 to 15. They've got a two touchdown lead and you think "Hmm, this game's over. And to be honest with you, Taylor, it was, it was over. It It was. was Yep. That's kind of how these have worked. That's kind of how these games have worked is that the chiefs do enough that they give themselves a big cushion. Sometimes the other team takes advantage of the cushion and comes back into it. But at the end of the day, these, these chiefs are just not going to be denied. They're just not. And this was, that was the exact same case here where um, after the ridiculous miracle touchdown, and then the, the touchdown that they scored to go up <laughs> that little option play to Le'Veon where yes. Mahomes was past the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was running and pitches it backwards to Le'Veon. Usually you see the option pitched in the NFL before the line of scrimmage, just based yes. on the speed of the game and the speed of the quarterbacks and everything. Like they're either going to pitch it right away or they're going to run with it. And he did both. He made it up field a little bit and then lateral to Le'Veon who, who looked great and took it right in for the touchdown. And they just Le'Veon tweeted that that was backyard football. I think he's having a blast. I think he's yeah. just absolutely going from the Jets to this has got to be the craziest transition for a player. I mean, how fun would this be for Le'Veon? You know, it's kind of like it reminded me a little bit of the game against the Lions last year, where Kelsey yep. lateraled that ball back to Barnum Sean McCoy. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it. It. I don't think it, I haven't heard anything that suggests that the the play was designed that way. And in fact, all the evidence is to the contrary. It just is one of those plays where you don't see it, like you said, you don't see it in the NFL very often because. NFL offenses are so conservative and for good reason. I mean, it's not college football. You have 11 exceptionally talented players on the other defense. All the guys are strong. All the guys are fast. The games mean more. I mean, there's a reason that it's, it's conservative, but yeah, the reason you don't see it it is because it's a risk. I mean, if, if you don't complete the lateral, it's a fumble and you know, it's, it's a very high likelihood of a turnover. And so you just don't see it very often, but with the chiefs, I mean, and with Patrick Mahomes specifically, you know, just to have the awareness again, that, Hey, you know, I'm going to get tackled, but if I lateral this to Le'Veon, he's got a clear shot at the end zone. He's got to be feeling, he's got to be feeling great. I mean, he came from the jets, man. So to go from the jets now to unfortunately with the injury to Clyde being the lead back Mm -hmm. on a team that's 13 and one, the best team in the NFL. I mean, it, it, yeah, he's and with the best offense in the NFL, he obviously is going into all these meetings and, and all the, you know, the Eric B and Andy Reed and all that. He's got to just be blown away with how different things are from the Adam Gase jets. Like that's just talk about outhouse to the penthouse. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, but unfortunately the chiefs after then, like you said, forcing another punt by the saints had the ball third and 10 on their 34. Uh, the pressure got to Mahomes and he got sacked. He did fumble the ball in a really great play by Trey Hendrickson. Um, and the Saints recover it. And in a 29 to 15 game in the fourth quarter, you really don't want to be turning that ball over on your own 25. I mean, that's, nope. you know, that's about as bad of a recipe as you can get. Drew Brees immediately pounced on that, um, had a great little screen to Kamara, who is awesome, and took it in really untouched. He he just cut right through the Chiefs defense on that play. It looked like they were not super interested in playing defense on that. And now, after all, all the, the heroics and all of the domination by the defense and all that stuff. It's a seven point game with nine minutes to go against a first ballot hall of fame quarterback and a great defense on the road. Ugh. The Chiefs did have the ball though. 
and they took the ball right down from their own 25 down to New Orleans four. They kick a short field goal. They go up 32 to 22 at that point. It's a 10-point game. Chiefs have a 10-point lead, and they burn five and a half minutes off the clock. They give the ball back to New Orleans, up 10 with four minutes left in the game. And this is the same script we've seen, Taylor, in, in this current streak. So the Chiefs are currently on a streak of six straight one-score wins. They haven't beat a team by multiple scores since they played the Jets. But I tweeted this out, and I, I just want to go over this again. I, I mean, listen, everything we've been taught about the way the NFL works, we know that one-score wins are not sustainable. We know that teams that you know have a great record and one-score wins one year might have a bad one the next year. But let's look at these one-score wins, right? Because before we stress out about this, the Chiefs in this current streak has trailed in the fourth quarter one time in six games. So yes, the games have been close at the end, but they've only actually been behind in the fourth quarter one game out of six. It was at the Raiders. And during the fourth quarter, during the streak, the Chiefs opponents have had 15 fourth quarter drives, but only five of those drives have occurred where the opponent could tie or take the lead. So 10 of those 15 drives, the opponent's been down coming into that drive by multiple scores. Mm -hmm. So there's only been one third of those drives where the opponent actually has the opportunity to even take the lead in that game. And those five drives, by the way, four of those drives didn't result in the other team taking the lead or tying the game. Those were Carolina, the last drive of the game, they were able to take a 67 yard field goal attempt, which had they hit it would have given them a one point win. they missed the field goal. The Raiders game, the Chiefs were uh, up 31-28 with uh, – or excuse me, they were – yeah, they were up 28-24 to 24 in that game. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders came down with 143 left in the game, scored a touchdown to go up 31-28. Obviously, that was too much time for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and then the Raiders, on their second drive of this game, where they had the opportunity to take the lead in the fourth quarter, threw an interception Dirty to Dan, Dirty baby. Dan, closed the game out. And the last two drives in this streak where the opponent had the ability to tie or take the lead in the fourth quarter were both in the Broncos game, that weird, wow, the goofy Broncos game. And this was a weird one too, because this was a three point game or excuse me, I think it was 16 to 12 going into the fourth quarter. And the Broncos had two drives in the fourth quarter and they had the opportunity to take the lead on both. The Chiefs had gone up 22 to 12, I think it was. And then, or excuse me, I don't remember. Exactly, 19, but 16, I believe. That's right. You've, that's right. Yeah. You're yeah. right. 16 to 12 Broncos. And then the Chiefs yes. came up. Yes. So the Broncos had a seven play 41 yard drive, which resulted in a punt from their own 49. So they were at midfield. That was the one that Fangio got killed yeah. for, for not going sure. forward on fourth and three. As he should but have. They punted. And then the last drive of the game, again, the Chiefs were up by just three points, wasn't it? Right six. At the end. Six on the last six drive points. of the game. Yeah. That's right. The Chiefs were up six and Drew Locke, of course, throws an interception. So while these games have ended in a one score victory for the Chiefs, the number of games where the opponent has actually had the ball at the end of the game to come down and, and win or tie the game or send it to overtime, that doesn't happen very often. It hasn't really been the case. And in this game, indeed, the Chiefs, the, the New Orleans did come down and score with two minutes left in the game they scored a touchdown to make it a three point game, but the chiefs got the ball back with two minutes left in the game and they never gave it back to new Orleans. So new Orleans never had the ball with a chance to go 
down and score. And I, I think that's what I want to stress Taylor is like, Mm -hmm. listen, this was the same case with Tom Brady in the Buccaneers game. They got it to within three. They gave the ball back to the chiefs. Chiefs never gave them the opportunity to touch the ball again. The chiefs are trusting their offense to close out these games. Yes. They'll give up a score, but then they don't give the ball back. And speaking of Tom Brady, Let's not forget, this is also the Tom Brady formula when he was with New England. It doesn't matter how many you win the game by. I tweeted out a breakdown of the Patriots winning margins versus the Chiefs winning margins. Patriots with Belichick and Brady versus Chiefs with Andy. And the the Brady-Belichick Patriots won 38.95% of their games by eight or less. That's basically 39%. And the Chiefs have won 40.0% of their games by eight points or less. So, like, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, the, the margin is, is meaningless when you get the win. It's meaningless. Like, they, the Chiefs have, have the other team pegged. They know exactly how they're going to play them. They know when they have them by a couple scores and when they can play certain ways. And, and it's just – I know people – I know fans stress out because – the games are closed the whole time and, and it's, you know, it's stress inducing and all that stuff. But like, don't be, don't use these slow, these close margins as a reason to be concerned about the chiefs realize that they're 13 and one, like it's hard to win games in the NFL and they were blowing guys out earlier in the year and everyone was fine with that. But then now that they're, now they've had six close ones and everyone thinks that they, They don't know how to put teams away, blah, blah, blah. Just win. Just win. That's all I care about. Look at the opponents too. I mean, obviously the, the Panthers, that was uh that was a close one that shouldn't maybe have been that close, but they did have Christian McCaffrey in that game. Mm-hmm. The Raiders, that's a divisional opponent and a team that, you know, they're fine. Uh, the Broncos, another divisional opponent and the Buccaneers, the Dolphins and the Saints, those are all playoff teams. And mm-hmm. all of those games were on the road. I mean, the chiefs have beaten now five teams with winning records on the road. They swept their road slate this year. They've beaten, is it four or five current playoff teams on the road, which Saints, no team in NFL Dolphins, history has ever done. Bucks, Bucks Bills, Bills, Ravens. Yep. Five. And I think the Ravens currently are out. So oh, the Dolphins. Sure. Four, maybe five. Yeah. The Dolphins and the Ravens probably won't both make the playoffs, but oh, either way, I mean, they're both going to finish with, they're both going to finish with double digit wins probably this year. Um, Nick I mean, Wright said it's the best roads slate that any team has ever played in NFL. History. And it, it is, it is, it's, it's incredible. So, you know, don't nitpick one score wins in road playoff, essentially road playoff games yeah. and, yes. you know, divisional games, right? Like it just is, you know, it's hard to win in the NFL. The, the jets just beat the, the Rams this weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. it just goes to show you Bengals beat the Steelers, the Bengals beat the Steelers. It's hard to win games in the NFL. And, However you're winning them, a win is a win. Before we uh, close out this NFC situation, saying goodbye to the Saints for now, Mm -hmm. I did want to kind of go through, we've obviously, we've talked at length about the AFC playoff picture, which is really coming into focus. I mean, here's the deal, guys. Chiefs are going to get the one seed. They're going to get the bye. Who we play will be determined in the next couple of weeks and in the first round of the playoffs, Chiefs are going to get the bye. So I thought it might be fun to kind of take a quick peek at the NFC playoff picture and look forward to who our possible opponents could be in the Super Bowl. Woo! Let's do it. So obviously the Chiefs just played the Saints. We knew that was going to be a tough game coming in. 
the Saints now are at 10 and four. This is a big loss for them yeah. because they're now a game back of the Packers. And I believe the Packers also have the tiebreaker on them. So they got, cru- Oh no, they got crushed by the bucks. I think you're right. Yeah, they did. They beat the, they beat the Saints. In any case, the Packers have the inside track because they have the best record by game over both the Saints and the Seahawks. And that's going to be huge, especially for a team like the Saints with, you know, a 40 something year old quarterback who has half his ribs broken. <laughs> I, I mean, they're, they're going to be facing a really tough road if they can't get that by. So as it stands right now, Packers are the one seed, Saints are the two, Seattle Seahawks are the three, the Washington football team at six and eight, looks like they're going to be the NFC East champion. Unbelievable. The Rams nine and five, they're the five seed. The Bucks also at nine and five are the six and the Arizona Cardinals eight and six are the seven seed. Unless the bears find a way to break in there, which uh, let's hope not because gross, yeah. But unless the Bears find a way to crack in there and pass maybe the Cardinals, it's going to be those seven teams. So obviously, starting at the top, the Packers would be the prohibitive favorites to face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl if it gets to that because they're the best team. They've got the best quarterback, arguably. I guess you could make a case for Russell Wilson. Uh, and they're going to have the bye, and that's going to be huge. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a tough matchup. They're just – Similar to the Chiefs, I guess I would say, uh, in that they have an extremely talented quarterback. And when you have an extremely talented quarterback with two great weapons, Aaron Jones and uh, Devontae Adams are matchup nightmares. And, I mean, that's the, if the Packers are the one, I think their chances of making it to the Super Bowl are extremely high. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, like I said, I mean, I think it would be, <clears throat> excuse me, a tough sell for New Orleans to come to Lambeau with, you know, 40-something-year-old Drew Brees and knock off the Packers. This is just a much more complete Packers team than the one we saw last year that got blown out in the NFC Championship game. I think they've got a really good shot. Now, the Seahawks are kind of an X factor. They've had a really weird season. Obviously, they came out, they were letting Russ cook, they were blowing (laughs) people away. They were, I think, 5-0 or 6-0 before they took their first loss. And then they really kind of stumbled. And now, Russ is not really (laughs) cooking so much. I mean... Yeah, it's amazing how much of an afterthought he's become in an MVP race that in mid-October he was running away with. Slammed up, yeah. He obviously is still a great quarterback, and they have DK, they have Tyler Lockett, they have a great receiving core as well, and a defense that's kind of rounding in shape. So is that a team that could maybe go to Lambeau and knock off the Packers and make it to the Super Bowl? I think there's definitely a chance that that could happen. Yeah, I think the Seahawks can play with the Packers, certainly. And really, at the end of the day, in an NFL um, playoff game, you just want to be able to match up and, and go score for score if you can. And they do have the, the horses to go into Green Bay and, and put up touchdowns with them. I don't think, I don't think you're going to get one of these low-scoring, like, like the Rams, who, are, who have an amazing defense, incredible defense. But I just don't see – Jared Goff going in there and going toe to toe with Rodgers. I, I don't think that's really a matchup that the Rams would win there. So I do think it's going to be one of those three that you mentioned, the saints, the Seahawks, the Packers. I don't see any of the other four teams making it out of the NFC. So the other four teams, again, football team, that could be, you know, obviously it would be, it would be a hell of a lot of fun if the football team somehow made the Super oh Bowl God. with Alex Smith at quarterback, especially if he's able to come back from his thigh injury. Jeez. I mean, that would be amazing. And we would probably, we wouldn't be rooting against the chiefs, but everybody else would be rooting against the chiefs <laughs> yeah. in that Super Bowl matchup. But that doesn't seem very likely to happen. They're six and eight. Um, 
the Rams, like you said, they just lost to the Jets. I just, I don't see how you come back from that losing to the Adam Gase Jets. Like I just, you just got to pack it up at that point. Like they, they really shouldn't even play their remaining regular season (laughs) games and they definitely should not be playing a payoff game after losing to the Jets. That's just, that should should get barred. They should, they should get relegated. They should be barred (laughs) from postseason play. The Cardinals would be kind of a fun one, but I don't think they're a complete enough team to make it through you know, a road slate on the road. They obviously are the seventh seed. They'd be playing on the road every game. Probably not going to happen this year. And that leaves the Bucks. And the Bucks are a weird team. We saw it in the game the Chiefs played against them a couple weeks ago. They just played a very similar game this past week against the Falcons, who the Chiefs are playing this week, where they fell behind 17 to nothing yeah. and looked terrible in the first half. And then much to the chagrin of Falcons fans who, I mean, obviously they're used to it, but uh, came storming back, ended up beating the Falcons. They're nine and five. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to have to go on the road too. And I, I don't know. I, I guess if they were to play, you know, like they've put up a couple of good halves in the course of this, you know, 14 games so far season, they obviously played a great game against the Packers early on and beat the crap out of them. I don't know. I don't really see it. I, I don't, Certainly, if they were our matchup in the Super Bowl, that would be fun. Uh, you know, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. But I, I would not be and in remotely Tampa. frightened about that. Yeah, in Tampa, sure. But I would not be remotely concerned if that were the matchup. Oh, I'd be licking my chops. Are you kidding me? To deny yeah. Brady another ring? I mean, oh, that would be, be phenomenal. It would be probably – it's probably my most preferred. So now let's talk about as Chiefs fans. Who's your most preferred matchup? Is it the Bucks? I think it is for me. Uh. Well, obviously, well, you're, I guess balancing, you're balancing Washington. a couple of different factors here, right? <laughs> like, obviously, the number one goal is to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. Because so a, win, yeah. a win is better than any loss. Yes. So you yes. want to pick the worst team. But, you know, you're talking about the Super Bowl. You know, you, you, want, you want some legacy juice there, right? Uh-huh. Like, so if you had to pick one team to play in the Super Bowl, what you want to do is pick the best game that you feel confident you're going to win, right? Like, and That's that good. might be the Bucks. That might yeah. be the Bucks because Tom Brady beating him in the Super Bowl in the NFC. I mean, that would be fun. And in Tampa, you know, they'd be the first uh, Super Bowl home team to play on their home field. Right. Now, of course, it's uh, it's probably not going to have a whole lot of fans there, if no. any. I, I don't know what's going to. Well, happen it's a Super that. Bowl, though. It is a Super Bowl. I feel like uh, they're I mean, just going to throw caution to the wind and just let everybody in. Everybody will go. Maybe they'll, yeah. they'll COVID They'll just vaccinate everybody. Yeah. I mean, they probably <laughs> will because tickets are like five yeah. grand a pop or whatever, yeah, right. which would be weird because that would be the first game of Tom Brady's Tampa Bay career that there would actually be fans in the stands. Weird. Right? Like, yes. Wouldn't that be odd? That would Very be strange. Yeah. Um, that would be a weird one. And the way the current playoff seating is, that probably would also be his first home playoff game if it ended up being the Super Bowl. A lot of weird stuff. I don't stuff think they're going to win the, the South, so I think you're probably right. Yeah. Well, that would be fun. I I would love to see that matchup because I feel pretty confident the Chiefs would win. And obviously, like you said, it would be great to beat Tom Brady. Uh, football team is obviously an intriguing answer because they're bad. And, and the Alex would, yeah. would beat the hell out of them. Um, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I You know, you'd have to beat Alex – in addition to beating a pretty bad team for the Super Bowl, I don't, I don't know that that one doesn't move the needle for me. I, I'd take Tampa over over football team, even though football team's the obvious choice for you know win another Super Bowl. But it would be kind of fun to have a little Monday Night Football rematch with the Rams. Yeah, it would that, be. That Although would be the intriguing. Rams are 
they're they're kind of a different team than they were two years ago when the Chiefs played them because man, they're they're all defense, no offense now. Yeah. Uh, Jared Goff. I mean, you know, you've got Brady. Breeze and Rodgers in the playoff field and obviously any one of those quarterback matchups would be a fantastic nice. Super Bowl legacy game you know Mahomes versus you know one of the old the old guys Rodgers and Breeze each only have one ring so yep. you know that would that would give that matchup a lot of juice yep. obviously Brady has his six but you know if you put another loss in there he's only six and four in the Super Bowl eh, it's not that good it's not <laughs> no. that good Pat Pat will be better Although I don't really like him going to a 10th Super Bowl. No, I don't like that either. That's pretty that's, gross. That's you know, lot. Russ has been to two and won one. That would be pretty fun. Yeah. Go, that would go be up fun. against the Seahawks, who obviously their defense can get can be had. And, I mean, that game, talk about betting the over on a Chiefs-Seahawks Super Bowl. That would no be joke. pretty, pretty lit. Yeah, that would all that, – that would be tasty. Yeah, but the, the field on the NFC side is really – uh, it, it's kind of a one team show for me. It's kind of do the green Bay Packers make it out of there or not. And if yep. they do, then that's obviously the biggest mountain to climb in the Super Bowl. And if they don't, it's kind of like, all right, let's go. Like whoever else makes it out of there. No big deal. You know, I mean, I, I think the other thing too, we've obviously, we talked a lot about the, the quarterback matchups there, but like the coaching matchups too, like Sean Payton, he's obviously, he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. I think, especially if you give him a couple weeks, the last time he was in a Super Bowl, you know, they came out with that surprise onside kick at halftime. Yeah. That was back when you could onside kick, but you know, he would, he would bring the juice for a Super Bowl matchup. Um, Matt LaFleur, I, I, I'll tell you a funny story. I woke up this morning and I was thinking about the Packers for some reason. It's like, who the fuck is the Packers coach? (laughs) And I thought about it. I literally like I spent, no, this was at like five o'clock in the morning. Sure. I I spent like 10 minutes this morning. I was like, I'm not going to look it up. (laughs) It'll come to me. I I was like, I I know his name's, I know his name's Matt something, but I I could not pull it. I know it's not Matt Rule, but I keep wanting to say Matt Rule. I I did. I was like, it's not Matt Rule. (laughs) I know he used to work for the Titans and he was (laughs) from McVay's roommate. Couldn't pull it. He doesn't move the needle for me very much Pete Carroll uh you know a noted smooth brain we've made fun of him <laughs> on the podcast before um he uh-huh. can coach defense but he wouldn't really concern me Sean McVay I guess it'd be kind of fun to see him in an, another Super Bowl after yeah. the first one went so poorly for him but the Kingsbury. fact of the matter is yeah Kingsbury that would be fun there's there's no Bill Belichick on the no. NFC side of no. the of the playoff picture and none you know? on the AFC side either <laughs> <laughs> that's right Boom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just is, it's a, it's shaping up really well for the chiefs, Taylor. It is. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but man, it's uh, it's looking good. I have a good, a good feeling that after 14 sunny weeks that it's just going to continue to be always sunny in chiefs kingdom. I do want to say, by the way, before we move on, we mentioned the 13 wins that ties a franchise record. This is the fourth time in franchise history that the chiefs have won 13 games. They have never won 14 games. So that's mm-hmm. something to look forward to. That's maybe the only thing we'll hit in our Atlanta preview. We'll see. We've got a quick mailbag question that we wanted to do. I mentioned from our man, Andrew Whiteside at OUSAS. Question for the pod. I first started watching Chiefs football in 1995. Since that season, how many Super Bowls would the Chiefs have won? Not could, because obviously they could have won all of them. If 2020 Patrick Mahomes was added to each team, no other changes necessary. So the would for me makes this a more interesting conversation. Because if you say could, they obviously could have won every single year if Patrick Mahomes was their quarterback. Mm-hmm. For me, Taylor, and I'll, I'll let you kind of give your, your highlights – for me, the, the ones that stick out, the obvious ones. Turkey. 95 and 97, those are chalk. Like, we, 
we win those games. Yep. <laughs> I just, just caught what you, yep, what you yep, threw yep. in there. Thanks, thanks, Alex. I appreciate that. So 95 and 97, both years uh, were previous years that the Chiefs I mentioned went 13-3. and three. The Chiefs in both of those seasons had the number one scoring defense in the NFL. In 95, they were 12th in scoring offense. In 97, they were fifth in scoring offense. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a team quarterbacked by – uh, by a jabroni is how I was going to refer to him as. But Elvis yes. Gerbroni. <laughs> Elvis Gerbroni. And uh, 95 was actually Steve Bono was our leading yeah. passer. Uh, replacing those two idiots with Patrick Mahomes, those teams would have won. They literally, those teams both could have gone 16-0. and 0. Uh, yeah, I mean, 19-0 and 0 seasons if they had Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. So those are easy. 2003 has an argument. That's our other 13-3 and three season prior to this year. Or other 13-win season. We're not going to be 13-3 this year. Uh, we're going to set a new franchise record for wins. Stay yep. tuned for that. 2003 has an argument that obviously would have been very similar stylistically to the 2018 team, which Patrick quarterbacked uh, all offense, no defense. That team obviously was number one in the NFL in scoring by a lot. That was an incredible team. It would be fun as hell to relive that season with Patrick Mahomes instead of Trent Green as quarterback, just to see that all time great offensive line and priest Holmes, Tony oh, Gonzalez, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, seeing Pat with like 10 seconds to throw behind that offensive line, throwing to those guys, that would have been a fun one. But that defense was Bob Sutton-esque. I mean, so, Greg Robinson know, was literally a worse defensive coordinator than Bob Sutton. He yeah, was I know. I mean, terrible. Just, oh, it was awful. Uh, that Chiefs team was 29th in yards, 19th in scoring defense. But that partly was because the offense was so good. Obviously, you know, you're, you're giving teams yeah. limited opportunities to score. I think every year under Andy has an argument. I'm going to make a case for both 2014 and 2015. You're going to say 2014, Austin, that was a year that the Chiefs only went nine and seven. And that's the only year that Andy didn't make the playoffs. That is true, Taylor, but that defense was badass. Okay. Yeah. That defense was really good. That was one of the best Bob Sutton defenses. They finished second in the NFL in points against 17.6 points allowed per game. You kidding me? Has Patrick Mahomes ever scored fewer than 17 points in a game in his NFL career? <laughs> one time, once yeah. one time. Yeah. So that team would have had a really good shot. They ended up finishing nine and seven that year, but that would have been a Chiefs team that I would have felt really good about going. That obviously was back when Houston and Barry and Tamba and all those guys were doing their thing. And that was the year that the Chiefs didn't have a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. I think Patrick Mahomes could have found a way, Taylor. Probably, he probably would have think he probably remedied would have that situation in a hurry. But it, at the very least, Jamal Charles, Travis Kelsey were on that team. And the 2015 team, I mean, listen, that was the best Alex Smith, Andy Reid team, in my opinion. Uh, finished More than 17, third. huh? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, the 15 team finished 11 and 5, but they were third in points allowed, ninth in offense. You know, Macklin was having a great year that year. Smith had a great year. Barry uh, was fantastic that year. Just, I think 2015, 2014 would have been the two teams from the Andy Alex era that would stick out to me. You're placing Alex with, with Pat. What, what do you got? What, what are you thinking here? So, my first thought when you were going through those is that, in my opinion, the more that the Chiefs team would have a good offense and a bad defense, the less Mahomes would impact them. Just in, just in general. Completely. Because yep. if the defense is going to give a bunch of stuff up like they did in 18, and they already had a really good offense, you know, there's only so much he can push them over the top. Which means that one of my least confident teams that, that Mahomes would have made a big difference on is the 2003 Chiefs. Yep, is the 13-3 and three Chiefs. Because they were already one of the best offenses in NFL history. They yep. already had one of the worst defenses in the league that year. And 
I just don't know if adding Mahomes in replace of Trent Green, who had his best year with the Chiefs in 2003, I just don't think that moves the needle as much as to, to put him over the top for a Super Bowl. Now, that being said, I agree with you that 95 and 97, they would have gone undefeated. They probably would be talked about as one of the greatest teams of all time. They probably I mean, would have sandwiched be. a 96 Super Bowl undefeated year in there too, even though they weren't very good that year. That was also because they just didn't really, they had a lot of health problems and stuff like that. So, I mean, whatever. But um, I would even argue, so there was the three-year stretch with Herm Edwards and Todd Haley from 2007 to 2009, where they mm-hmm. were dog shit in every aspect of football. They were... 31st in the off- on offensive scoring. They were uh, in 2008, they were 29th in defense and 26th in offense. And in 2009, they were 29th in defense and 23rd in offense. They had nobody. But I would even argue that adding Mahomes to that team changes the entire fortune of that run. It changes what they do in 2007. Larry Johnson was already amazing, and they still had Tony G for that year. And instead of you know, Damon Heward and Tyler Thigpen. I mean, that's where you have the bottom let's, of the barrel at quarterback. Let's, let's not besmirch Tyler Thigpen. Right. Well, I'm not besmirching him, but the difference between Tyler Thigpen and Patrick Mahomes is vast. <laughs> and, is. and I just think that he would have the greater impact on those teams than he would on some of those other really good Chiefs teams. Now, the I think every year, like you said, under Andy Reid, if, if Mahomes was there since 13 and 2020 Mahomes was there every year from, from 13, the Chiefs could very easily be eight-time defending champs right now. Like, they they just obviously Reed and Mahomes have are very in sync with what they want to do with the offense and how they want it to run and all that stuff. And between Jamal and Macklin and some of those other guys, I, I just think that um, Mahomes would have run the show. So I'm going to go with, like, I'm going to go with, like, 12 Super Bowls between 95 and 2020. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about would and not could. I think 12 is in the realm of possibility. I mean, every single one of these seasons. Are there any let, – let me, let me flip this it's around. 20, really 25 seasons. Okay. Uh, I'd, say, I'd say they win eight. 25 seasons of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no, I'm going to say 10. I'm going to say Sure. 10. Yeah. I, I think 12 is maybe a touch high. But, I mean, you know, they, they would have been in the playoffs every year. Let, let me – I just want to spin this around and thank you again to Andrew for giving us such a fun yep. little thought experiment. Are there any years in this 25-year stretch where you think the Chiefs would not have made the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback? Well, the only ones you would look at are the three-year stretch that I talked about. The, the well, four-win, had- two-win, four-win. In sure. And they also added two and fourteen season in twenty twelve under interim head coach Romeo. Ha, Romeo. Or, oh, actually, man. I guess former interim head coach turned full time head coach. <laughs> Matt that Castle's was the last, last year, year before Andy Reid. I mean, and, they had Jamal Charles and Dwayne Bowe. If you're telling yep, me that yep. that Patrick Mahomes plus Charles and Bowe couldn't make the playoffs, I don't believe. I agree with you, and this is why I wanted to throw it out there because I thought it would be maybe a little bit hot takey, but uh, that would have been. I think the Chiefs could have been a playoff team that year. Remember, sure. they had a lot of guys go to the Pro Bowl that year. It was like one of those things where people were like, "How does this team have so many Pro Bowlers? Mm-hmm. They're two and they're two and fourteen. Well, uh, I think if you add Patrick Mahomes to that mix, that team could have been a playoff team. I'm just saying. They had, by the way, uh, this is kind of weird. Boss from the past, Brian Dable, current hot head coaching candidate. Yeah. He's our offensive coordinator that year. Did you yep. know that? You remember yep. that? I do. Jim Bob Cooter former Lions offense coordinator. He was our quality control coordinator that year. I kind didn't know little... Jim Bob Cooter was a former chief. 
I did not. I did not know that either. Neat. The Chiefs that year finished 32nd out of 32 in points for, and they also finished 25th out of 32 in points against. But I feel like if you add Patrick Mahomes to that mix, yeah, I, I feel like that's probably a 10-win team. They're going to the playoffs. Their week five loss to the Baltimore Ravens was nine to six. <laughs> Jeez. They also that's lost ridiculous. a game to the Raiders 15 to nothing. And 17 to nine against the Broncos. They just didn't score. And that's the thing that if you could score with that team, that's, you know, that's a huge, sure. huge, huge difference. And yep. with Bo and Charles, I mean, yeah, I think they would have been a playoff team. I agree with you. We have another mailbag question from Mike Arnett. This was one in your DMs, So we do appreciate if you guys want to slide into our DMs, I will tell you if you DM me, it could take weeks for me to read that because you know, if I get a DM from somebody, I, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't yeah, want just to reach out that. to me and tell me to have Austin check his DMs. That yeah, exactly. Works. That usually works. That That's the way to do it. But Mike Arnett tweets or gives us the following. Is the blitz hurting our defense? It seems to me in the last few games, every time we blitz, there's a big play from the other team. Is the other team's QB seeing something or is it a lack of execution? Thanks. Love the show. We appreciate that, Mike. Thank you Thanks, for the Mike. question. I mean, you know, you have to look at stuff like, it, like the rate that the Chiefs get home on the Blitz, and they are currently 21st in the NFL with only 25 sacks. And that's, you know, through 14 games, that's not a lot. And I do think that the other offenses are capable of some big plays against the Chiefs defense. But here's why I'll say that it's not necessarily hurting the team. And that's because the style of play that the Chiefs defense needs to be successful is a high-risk style. It's something that because they have a, an explosive offense and because they know that no matter if they give a touchdown up or not, the offense has a really good chance to go out there and answer them, the Chiefs need to be blitzing a lot. They need to be going for turnovers and sacks and, and the big plays because just playing like a, like a sound conservative defense isn't going to have the, the impact that they want it to have because the offense is just so prolific that – I, so, so yeah, I do think that they have been swinging and missing on some blitzing, but I don't think it's hurting the Chiefs' chances to win. And in fact, I would crank up the blitzing a little bit more if I were in Spags here. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, like we tend to have, I think we tend to have this idea that a blitz is only successful if it results in a sack. Yeah. But and the Chiefs have not been getting a lot of sacks. I mean, that that is an unfortunate reality. I mean, you, you gave us the numbers. They're not amazing, but that's not the only way a blitz can be successful. I mean, if you're getting True. pressure with five guys or even six plus, you know, that can force a quarterback into doing something that he doesn't want to do. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, if the chiefs blitz breeze on the pick to Legereus Sneed, but they did blitz him more than you would expect for a guy of that caliber, a guy who is known for getting the ball out fast and who is a veteran quarterback who obviously mm -hmm. you would expect to be able to read a defense. And they did against Tom Brady too. And when you speed up a guy's clock, even if you're not necessarily getting home and directly affecting him either by hitting him or getting a stack, you're still forcing him into making a quicker decision of a, a rushed decision and a rushed throw. And that can be really beneficial, especially with 
the ball hawks we have in the secondary. I mean, what the one thing that the Chiefs secondary is really good at, and every single guy in the secondary, whether it's Dan Swanson, yeah. you know, Lejarius Sneed, obviously yeah. Badger, Thornhill, they all have really good ball skills. Yep. And Badger missed an interception in this game. He's kicking himself. I mean, we we have, you know, I mean, you're not going to make a play on the ball every time. That's why they're DBs and not wide receivers. But man, that is such a momentum swing that. And we saw it even in this game, and we talked about it. Drew Brees threw the longest pass that he's thrown in like four years. He had a 51-yard pass in the air that the Chiefs busted a coverage on where Badger came up to kind of pressure and, you know, show blitz at least Mm -hmm. and left his guy and didn't respect Drew Brees' arm strength and got burned on it. And the Saints ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, but the Chiefs came right back and scored a touchdown of their own. I mean, it just is – you want to be aggressive on defense because of who you have a quarterback because of how good your offense is. You know, the worst thing that happens is you give up a quick score and you give the ball back to Patrick Holmes. Yeah, exactly. Right. So thanks for the question, Mike. Um, Anything else before we send our listeners on their way to a Merry Christmas? Well, yeah, we got to talk about the, we got to talk about the Falcons game. The chiefs are playing a game this weekend, Taylor. It it doesn't actually mean anything because they have, they're off for the next three weeks. (laughs) They have like a 99.9% chance of clinching the one seed. The only way that they can't get the one seed is if there's a three way 13 and three tie between the chiefs, the Steelers and the bills, which will require the chiefs to lose out and those other teams to, I think, win out. Right. So actually the chiefs even have a 79% chance of winning a three way tie with those other teams. So not only do they need to three-way tie them they need to lose the strength of victory tiebreaker which means all of the common opponent or not all the common opponents all the opponents for all three teams need to win like a basically like a 20 team parlay in order for the chiefs not to get the one seed it's like a 99.9999 percent yeah i said 99.9 but it actually is like 99999999 we're talking about like 15 digits out the chiefs have a 100 percent chance of getting the one seed this game is meaningless. The only question, Taylor, is how many touchdowns will Patrick Mahomes throw? Let's preview that. How many How many are you picking? I think that he knows that he's not going to get a Week 17 shot, and so it's his MVP send-off, and I think he's going to drop another five spot. I think he gets – I think he gets six. I'm going to predict Woo! six touchdowns. Oh. He hasn't he hasn't done it in a while. If he does throw six touchdowns, it will tie an NFL record currently held by Peyton Manning. Maybe you've heard of him with three six touchdown games in NFL history. That is the record. Patrick Mahomes has two. He hasn't done one since 2018. He had two in his first year as a starter, and he has not done it since. I think they're going to come out and you know, I here's the deal. I think, like you said, I think the Chiefs understand they're probably going to be sitting the starters at least for most of the game in week 17. I think those guys that want records, Kelsey is Kelsey. about 60 yards away from getting the tight end receiving record. Again, he said it briefly in 2018 before George Kittle passed him like 10 minutes later. Uh, I think he wants his record. Tyree Hill needs one receiving touchdown to pass Dwayne Bow for the most receiving touchdowns uh, in a single season in chiefs history. I think they're all pretty cognizant of their numbers and not that that's their goal, but I think, like you said, I think they're aware that they're probably not going to get a lot of playing time in week 17. And I think they probably also are a little bit tired of people complaining about all the games being close. Like I, I think that obviously a wins a win. I'm sure the players think that even more than we do as fans, 
But I think that they would like to have a game where they go out and dominate, knowing that they're not going to play for another couple weeks after that. I think they would like to end the season on a high note. Maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part. I think they come out, blow the doors off Atlanta. It's going to be a home game. I think the Chiefs come out and demolish the Falcons. Six touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes. Let's just call it 450 yards. Let's, let's just have fun with it. It's going to be great. 